Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Lord, there's nothing that I can say that will give you the honor that you deserve. But Lord, hallelujah from me. We praise you from us. God, one you've redeemed, one you've put up with, one you've loved. God, we just, that honors your goodness. If you could be good to me, then you're mighty good. If you could be faithful to us, then you're so faithful. If you could be patient with us, then you're so patient. God, if you could change us into the image of your son, then you are so powerful and you are. You are altogether set apart and different and yet you draw us close. You've ripped the veil. It was your choice. We thank you. God, there's nothing better than knowing you. There's nothing better than belonging to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak today. Lord, as we make our feeble attempts to honor you, as we make our feeble attempts to say thanks, Lord, you just take these earthen vessels and fill them with yourself. And Holy Spirit, speak to honor your own self through our feeble attempts. I pray that you would just open our eyes to know you in a whole new way, more than we do. Help us to draw near so that you draw near to us. We love you. We love you. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. Happy birthday. So I know Gunnar's going to share a lot more about um, the five, some of us six years that we've been together before the dwelling was even a thing, um, and some of us less. And there's story after story that we could tell, um, funny things that have happened and crazy things that have happened, and um, toilets we've cleaned together at AMC, garbage cans that we've hidden in closets because they were stinking up the kids' hall. Um, people we've met, people who've walked through our doors that have just made our jaws drop. But I want to just say that for all His goodness and all He's done in these five years, that goodness is just as intense today as it was. I mean, this is the day. This is the day we'll see His goodness. This is the day that we draw near and He draws near to us. His mercy was there this morning when we woke up, and I needed it just as much as any day. So that's what I wanna encourage you as you think about all these great things that have happened these five years. He is just as real and just as good today as He has been any of those crazy days that we've made it through, so. Amen, and He's just as worthy, right? 
And, uh, and all the good things, all the good fruit from our lives, all the answered prayer from our lives, he just deserves all the glory for it. <laughs> I think if we got it, I think if we really could like grasp how good he is, the joy that we sang about wouldn't be so hard. We'll have to work it up. It'd be like a, it'd be like a spring just busting out of us. And God, he's, guys, he's been good. He's been so faithful. And uh, I think about the five years. I think about before the five years. I think about the, the, uh, the, the burden on our heart that we carried for like 12 years. Come on, if you got a dream in the room and it didn't come to pass in two weeks, it's all right, okay? That's not typically how God works. Sometimes it might take 12 years for the fruition of a God dream to come to pass in your life. And I know we got a lot of young people in here. Don't rush God's process. Don't rush the process because you're selling him short of what he actually wants to do. But how many know we have to be pruned and we have to be chiseled and made into someone who can actually carry what he wants to pour out. And that's, I've seen that happening in our lives. Like over the last five years, I told the team this morning, I'm a different person today than I was when we launched this church. And I'm thankful for that. Come on. How many, how many have seen the evidence of God's transforming power in your life? Are you grateful for it? I know I am. And you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, we carry this, we carry this vision, this dream in our hearts from the Lord. And everywhere I'd go, I'd see an empty building and I think that's, that's a church. That needs to be a church. Even last night, I, David Jeremy who was riding with me at the men's conference and, and I, and I said, that's an old college. What is that? That's an old college. That needs to be a church. You know, it was shut down. He said, I think that took the sign down. Well, it needs to be a church. And, uh, so I just had that mindset and then Bethany, um, um, had a dream, a literal dream one night, just about this big house. And it was full of rooms and there were people being taken care of and loved and they were finding family, people who were coming in broken and, and finding healing. And for a long time, we thought, are we literally supposed to buy a big house and like bring people in? And I think it was just a symbol of what the Lord's done in this place. And I, I love this scripture and I, it just came to my mind. I don't know the address for it. But he says, God puts the lonely in families. And I know that that's my, um, my testimony. That I know that's many of you guys' testimony that when you found the dwelling, you found a family. And I'm just so thankful to be able to do this and uh, with you guys and celebrate the goodness of God today. We moved over here in 2017 and spent about six months just like, okay. Here we are in Savannah. Don't know anybody but our next door neighbor, Abby. And like, and then the Alabama crew, the OG. Can we just give it up for the OG Alabama crew? The Hoopers, the Driggers, uh, Keenan, Rachel, and Tyler Bloodsworth. Uh, this, the only people we knew, we just moved over here with a dream on our hearts. And we began to meet people. And the Lord, I told somebody, we were never 80% sure that Savannah was where we were supposed to end up. But once we said yes, the confirmation started pouring in and the people started showing up. And God just provided everything to make the dwelling happen. And um, I'm, I'm just so grateful. I'm, I'm just going to say thank you, thank you, thank you all day long, not only to Jesus, but to you guys that have made it happen and create spaces for people to encounter God, discover their purpose, discover their identity and fulfill their purpose. That's what we do. And uh, I'll never forget our launch Sunday service. 
and I'll never stop telling this story because I think if we honor the past, we never, we never get stuck in the past. We're always looking forward, but if we honor what he did, number one, it'll keep us grateful and it'll keep us humble. I was thinking this morning, like we got a packed house in here. There were some Sundays, y'all, in the AMC theater. I wondered if anybody was going to come. And it was like, okay, and the Greek team's here, worship team's here. Okay, let's have church. <laughs> that was sometimes the way it was. And I'm just, I'm seeing the big picture and the big story of what God's written. And it just makes me grateful. And uh, I'll never forget that, that Sunday where I'm sitting about four or five rows back right over here. It's a lady named Loretta. And... Um, at the end of the service, I talked about making room for God. Have you made room for God in your life? Like, he, he, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus has come to do and transform lives. And, and Loretta was sitting right over here, and she said, I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. It was the first person that had ever done that in the dwelling church. And, um, and Loretta's backstory was that she'd never, she's not stepped foot in a church in like 13 or 14 years because she'd had enough of religion. She was giving God one more chance, giving the church one more chance. She got a mailer in her mailbox with mine, Bethany's face on it. We weren't doing that, but it was that cheesy. We want you to come to the dwelling church. Something about a dwelling church, new church in the movie theater, and she thought, well, that's weird. I think I'll go, and she showed up, and she met Jesus. And I'm just, and, and countless lives have been transformed. Marriages have been restored um, through what God has done through the dwelling. Uh, addictions have been broken out of people's lives. We've seen people healed physically and mentally and emotionally. And God has just done so much. And I'm just so grateful because it's not, it's stuff, the stuff that's happened in the last five years is stuff that people can't do. Now, God can use people, but it's Him. It's him, and it's, it's so overwhelming. And to all who've made it happen, just thank you. To the, to the original crew, the original launch team, thank you. And when I say thank you, it's, I want you to not just hear me saying thank you. I want, to hear, I want you to hear the Father saying thank you for your yes. Because how many know you didn't have to say it? You didn't have to show up over and over again and make it happen. Thank you to everybody who's on the team. Thank you to every one of you who've showed up early on Sundays and, and like Bethany said, scrub those toilets. Some days we'd walk into that AMC and we'd be like, okay, rough night at the movies last night. And we just have to wipe it down and pull out the mats for the kids and make a hallway. I remember Andrea Hooper just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, pulling out mats for those babies to crawl on, setting it up over and over again, and just faithfulness and just little, just the little things, just the little things created spaces for people to encounter God. And the, the fruit that we've seen is because of a bunch of yeses. That's what God's done through that. For those who've given up, given sacrificially over the past five years, Prayed faithfully all over the past five years. To, to everybody who's made room, thank you. I just believe the Lord's pleasure as we're becoming what he wants us to be. How I many you know we haven't arrived? But I sense his pleasure this morning. As a proud father, he's like, hey, thanks for saying yes. It's been fun. And we're just getting started. 
I talked last week about we make room for God. We really want to be a people that carry the presence of the Lord for the sake of the world. It's all about his presence. More can happen in two seconds in his presence than 20 years doing the church thing. If we don't have his presence, we really don't have anything. And I never want us to get past that. I never want us to think that we can do this without him. And we're going to always press into his presence. We're always going to just be pursuing. What does that even mean as a family? And what does that even mean in, in our homes? What does that even mean in my personal life to make room for God? And so that's who we are. It's what we do. And everything we do, we're always thinking, is this a present-centered thing? Like, how, how can we bring Jesus into this? Like, is this what he's doing? Are we at the center of his action and his presence? And that's my filter. That's number one. Number one. Number one is not even reaching a city. Number one is loving, loving God. It's got to be. Number one. First ministry. But the second thing about us and what the dwelling is. And honestly, when I just say the dwelling, I mean the whole church because we ought to be loving God, making room for God, all of us, no matter what church you belong to. The second thing we do is we make room for people. Come on, y'all being quiet this morning, so say that to me. We make room for people. Say it like you really mean it. We make room for people. It's what we do. It's who we are. We believe God makes all things new. And we're committed to helping people become all that God created them to be as God uses us to help every lost and prodigal child come home. Why? Because the father is longing to get his kids back. And he brought you home. And he's brought you into the family. And now I think we owe it to somebody else to make room for them to get in the family. There's a story in Mark chapter 2, if you want to turn there on your, in your Bibles or your screens and all that, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 2, Jesus enters this town called Capernaum, and he's uh, everywhere he goes, there's people everywhere around him, just flocking around him, and he, uh, sometimes he can't even get down the road without just being said in one place, the crowds were pressing in on him. How many, um, how many introverts I got in the room? How many like, oh, get away from me kind of people. Like Jesus had to take, listen, Jesus, the son of God, I was like, y'all hold up. I got to go pray. <laughs> like I got to go get by myself. And, uh, but he was, people were around him all the time. And there's this, there's this moment in this house in Capernaum and you know the story and you, you know it well, but I want us to dig a little deeper into this story. And I want us to like put ourselves in that house that Jesus was in. Just picture it. It's where Jesus is in this house and there's people. Imagine the, the houses weren't really big. They didn't have like the mansions and all. This was just a typical residential place and it was packed with people. And Jesus was in there and there are probably people like sitting like right here where Jesus was. Maybe he's sitting down too and people standing up all along the walls. And if there were rooms in the house, they're in other rooms and they're trying to listen in. They're leaning and then you got people, it's so packed that they're in the door just trying to see what Jesus is up to, just trying to hear the words that he's saying. People like hanging out in the windows. I mean, like it is, people are pressing in on a house. The house is about, it's just like 
about to pop with people. And there's these guys, four of them. And we don't know their story other than what scripture says in here and what they did, the action they took. But there were four guys who had a friend who was paralyzed. And maybe they heard that he was at the house and maybe they'd heard what Jesus had done. And they said, we want our friend to be healed. And so we're going to take our friend and we're going to pick him up, put him on a mat. Now he can't walk. Don't skim over the details of the story because you think you know the story. Picture this. Come on, we're going. Where are we go? What are you talking about? Jesus is at this house over here. He's in our town. Jesus. No, just trust us, okay? Like we've seen Jesus do some crazy stuff. And people have been healed. They're walking. He's like, what? Walking? Yes, come on. Like, I mean, I'm, well, we're, we're bringing you, okay? Like get on the mat. And they pick him up. And they're carrying this man on the mat. I don't know how, they walk, how far they walked. I don't know if it was next door. I don't know if it was all the way across town. But they walked carrying this mat. Or they put him on a horse. I don't know. But they show up at the house. And they see the scene. You ever pulled up somewhere and there was just no parking places? And you're like, you know what? It ain't even worth it. You know? Like, oh my gosh, look at that line. Let's just go somewhere else. What's your wait time? 45 minutes? Never mind. We'll get a hamburger tonight. You know, like that's how they showed up. And like it was packed and they're like, oh gosh, okay. All right. How are we going to get in here? And I just want you to think about what they went through to try to get their friend in the building. Because what we know is they took the roof off. If you know the Bible, you know this story. They climb on the roof. They start tearing the roof up. And then they lower their friend down through the roof. I don't know if there were ropes involved. I don't know how this happened. It looks a little dangerous, awkward. It's disruptive. Like Jesus is like, oh, hey, <laughs> like everybody's like, what is happening? But, you know, tearing the roof off and lowering your friend down through the roof is not your first option. <laughs> you know, it's not like they showed up and said, all right, let's get up there. You know, like, no, they were like trying to get in the door. Yeah. And so they've got the guy and they're like, all right, excuse us. Hey, could we could we kind of scoop? I mean, we got a friend right here. No, like. I need healing too. No, man, I'm here to see Jesus, you know? And like standing in the doorway, mm -mm. you ever done that? Some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all, these lane guardians, some of y'all lane guardians, when these lanes are merging, you're like, nope, I'm gonna ride right here in the middle. Nope, no, ma'am, no, sir, you can't go. I am the lane guardian. It is my lot in life to organize this traffic. Okay. And that's what was happening. They're like, no, 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 no. You got to, man, you, we were here for you were. I can't help it, man. I'm sorry. And I'm trying to get in and maybe they, maybe they went around to a window and they tried to get in through. I don't know. I don't know the story. All I know is their option was let's go in that way. <laughs> right. Get you some friends that will go to great lengths for you. Get you some friends that care enough about you that when you can't walk, they carry you. Are you that kind of friend? 
I'm going to read it. And there's a few things that stick out to me in this passage. He says, again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus saw their faith. Some of y'all have been believing God for years about something, and you need to be reminded, Jesus sees your faith. And he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes and Pharisees, or some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God? But immediately the Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. And he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go home. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out into the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. There's a few things I see really quickly. Number one is this. That first verse, it says, and they heard, it was heard that he was in the house. That's all that matters. Our goal is not to build a big church. Our goal is not to pack a place out. But it will happen if people hear he's in the house. And I would rather have him in the house. Don't be offended by this. If he's here and you're not here, he's here. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad I'm here. Our goal is not to get people in the house. Our goal, first goal, is to get him in the house. To make sure we are a house where he feels welcome. And I hope, I hope we are that. I hope we, we are becoming more of that individually in our homes, but not just, not just here on Sunday. In every environment that we steward, in every space that we create, is he welcome? Is he in the house? His presence is priority. I, I was walking down Broughton Street several years ago when we, at some point during these past five years, and I felt him clearly say, I want a house I can put my name on. Like I want something, I want, I want a people that I can identify with that re represent me well. I, 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 because I think Jesus has been misrepresented by the church and we've given religion and we've given rules and we've given do's and don'ts, but we've not presented Jesus as he is. And Jesus is looking for a people who will say, hey, will you just be like me? Will you invite me in? 
And like, I know you got your plans and stuff, but are you willing to lay all that down and let me do what I want to do in your midst? It matters if he's in the house or not. I'm telling you, when a city finds out that he's in a house, they'll show up to the house. And my goal, just so you know, I love people. I'm talking about this whole message about making room for people. But I want him in the house. I want him in the house first. It's all that matters. Presence over preference. One of the markers of church that's, that, that's not good, one of, one of the things that I, th- I feel like we do a lot is we think we ought to do things a certain way and we got opinions and we got preferences on worship, we got preferences on preaching, we got preferences on how you do groups, we got preferences on this and that, and you just the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But what if we elevated his presence above any, any preferences that we have? And what if we're willing to change everything because it's what he wants? Are we willing? It says, because they knew that he was in the house, it says, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. You know what Jesus' marketing plan is? You. Why did they come to the house? Again, let's, let's, let's ask the questions why. Like, why, why would you come to the house? Hey, Jesus is over there. If I don't know who Jesus is, if I've not heard the stories, if I don't know anybody who's been touched by his life, Jesus is at that house doesn't mean anything to me. But when somebody says, hey, Jesus is in the house over here, and I've heard with my own ears, seen with my own eyes, the fruit of what Jesus can do in someone's life, I'm going to run to that house. If I've seen broken bodies healed and I have a broken body and I need healing, guess where I'm going to go? I'm going to go to the healer. If I've seen somebody whose life was torn apart by sin and addiction and I see them transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to go where they got it. My, 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 my idea here is that they showed up to the house because they had heard the stories of what the man in the house could do. Your story is the vehicle that draws people to Jesus. Your story and his story, where they intersect, that's where powerful life change happens. I wonder when the last time you just sat down and told your story to somebody. You know, how, how, much, how much more, you know, the preacher's supposed to tell everybody, invite your friend to church next week. I want to take it a step further. Invite them to the dwelling next week, but tell them why you come. Tell them why, what has God done in your life? And make, make it about him. And invite him. Hey, say, look, if you, really, if you really believe, if you and I really believe that if we get people in these doors and in these seats, their lives can be transformed like ours was, we'd invite people. 
And so that's the challenge. Making room for people is as simple as, hey, come to church with me, sit with me next Sunday. That neighbor that you know that you're just like, ah, this is awkward. I don't want to talk about church. I don't, that coworker, uh, yeah. I don't know if I want to be like too religious. No, just be like, hey, you want to come to church with me next week? Here's why I found the dwelling home, and here's what I love about it, and here's what God's done in my life since I found that family. It's a good conversation starter. Quit being scared. Can we just quit being scared? I mean, I'll, I'll, it's, re it's really simple, isn't it? What are we so scared about? Bring Jesus into the conversation. Who's going to do it if you don't? Your story's powerful. You say, well, I wasn't like strung out and, you know, I'm not, I don't have this crazy story. Of God. Yes, you do. You got grace you didn't deserve. God's changed your life. He's transformed your life. And yeah, you're a work in progress just like me and everybody else. But what he's begun, he's going to finish. And somebody else needs to see the hope in your life. Somebody needs to hear the hope of your story. And I see these folks, and I, I see them making room for their friends. They, 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 they brought their friend. They disrupted the norm. They got creative, <laughs> real creative. It might have even been kind of uh, inappropriate how they got their friend to Jesus. So my, my question to myself and to everybody here is, what are we willing to do to get our friends to Jesus? What are we willing to do to get them in the house? What are we willing to do to get people in the presence of God? Sometimes, I'm going to tell you this, I don't know if you noticed around here lately, it's kind of packed. What's going to happen one day when we have a really hard time, ushers, finding somebody a seat? So let me ask the people in the seats right now, are you willing to stand up so somebody can sit where you're sitting? Are you willing to eventually go to two services so that we can make room for people who are coming? Can I just tell you something? Making room for people is never convenient. Making room for people may mean that you're standing in the door and somebody's wanting to get in. And unless you back out of the door and let them in, they can't get in. And how selfish would that be to stand in the door when we've already received something from Jesus and these people haven't? Community without a front door ceases to be community. Somebody asked me to say that again. I'll say that again. Community without a front door ceases to be community. Guys, I love this whole thing. Togetherness, family, yay, Love you, vulnerability. We're growing together, but if we don't make room for other people, that's going to get sour real quick. And that spirit, it, it, it's a perfect environment for the spirit of offense and the religious spirit to just thrive in. If we don't have a, my brother said at the men's conference this past week, the dead sees dead for a reason. There's no out, there's no flow. And when we, we're just contained and self contained, there's no life. We got to have a front door. 
We gotta, we, we, we gotta let people in. We can't love our things so much that we're not willing to introduce it to somebody else. We can't love our community so much we're not willing to open the door and let others in on it. We can't love our experience with Jesus so much that we can't see anybody else in their need for that same experience with Jesus. It's so easy, isn't it? To just get caught up in ourselves and caught up in our thing and caught up in our church and caught up in religion things and all that and just forget about the people who haven't made it in the door yet. And I think you can do both. I think you can take care of the people that God sends and I think you can bring more people in too. And send them out. Bring them in, send them out. Bring them in, sing them, send them out. When God's love for people truly begins to grip our hearts, there will be no price too high to see the broken restored, the sick healed, and the lost found. Just tear the roof off for somebody. Somebody that can't walk. Somebody didn't even want to come. Just carry them. Some people are so, some people are so bruised and broken, they can't feel anymore. They don't want to do it. You gotta be the voice in their life. You gotta be the voice of hope in their life. This is what Jesus can do for you. Here's what he's done in my life. Let's go. If we have to get in through the roof, we'll get in through the roof. Insurance will cover it. <laughs> I see another thing. You notice the scribes that were there? Can you can can you imagine? Being in that environment, why are they there in the first place? I feel like they just want to stir up some trouble. I feel like they just want to catch him in some kind of comment and say, oh, whoa, whoa, yeah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they, they just tore the roof off the thing. The guys let their friend down and the scribes are in there. And I bet they feel that is highly inappropriate for the situation. Anytime you make room for people, I've seen this over and over again. I'm no ministry expert, but I have been in ministry for like 20 years. And when you start making room for people, it will stir the religious spirit up like nothing else. Because the enemy wants to drag everybody to hell with him. And when you start making room for people, that religion thing will stir up. That dragon will start to blow that smoke. And I know since I've been so uplifting at points in this message anyway, I, I want to go ahead and just say that 2023 is going to require us, I'm going to say it again until I'm blue in the face, to relinquish control, to die to the fear of man, to die to offense. We cannot carry that any further into 2023. And I'm telling you this, if we make room for God and if we make room for people, I'm not prophesying this. I'm praying against this. But this is a promise. You can put this on a pretty little plaque on your wall. If you follow me, you will be persecuted. That was a promise from Jesus. It's not the devil. It's a promise from Jesus that if you follow me, you will be misunderstood. You will be criticized. And religion will come after anybody who's making room for God and making room for people. So get over the fear of man and just stand. 
Keep loving God. Keep loving people. We're not apologizing for loving the presence of God around here. We're not going to apologize for making room for people. I don't care how jacked up they are. I don't care if we don't approve of their lifestyle. We're going to be, they're going to be welcome in this house because they need Jesus just like this guy needs Jesus, just like you need Jesus. Making room for God and making room for people makes room for more. Worship team, y'all come on up. I'm, I'm almost done. I love this comment that they made at the end. We've never seen anything like this. I believe that if we make room for God and make room for people and answer the call and just say the big yes, we're going to consistently say, just like I have over the five years, mm, never seen that one before. Wow. That's the stuff dreams are made of. Me and Bethany constantly, like somebody will call and say, guess what just happened? And I'll say, Bethany, this is what we dreamed about. And it can't get old. Y'all, I can't get dry. It's impossible for me. Like I'm to the point in my life, like I'm not turning back anymore. I'm just not turning back and I can't get dry. I, I, the Lord just keeps surprising me, but it's not surprising. You know what I'm saying? Like he's always just, he's always going further than we can ever even ask for or dream. And the stories I'm looking in people's faces right now, I've seen God do it in your life. And it's the stuff we asked him for. When we had zero dollars and zero cent in the bank to plant a church, when we had zero members of a launch team, and God's been faithful because you've made room for people. You created a space for people to encounter God. And that's what happens when we do that. And my, my mind is blown. I say, now that's something I haven't seen yet. And I believe when you walk with Jesus, you're always going to be asking, we've never seen this before. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? But it's exciting because he's always going to surpass our imagination. I want to close with this today. I want to introduce you to somebody. And guys, you can put his picture up since he's so little. We put his picture up so you can see him. This is Dwelling Dave. Dwelling Dave is a little magnet that's been on our fridge. Somebody gave me, I don't know where Dwelling Dave came from, but he became language for the reason we're planning the Dwelling Church. God's heart's for people. And before you plant a church, you don't know anybody. You haven't had your first service. You need somebody you can just kind of imagine, like, who's going to show up? And we just came up with Dwelling Dave. So I'm sweeping the floor this morning to create a space for Dwelling Dave. I'm, I'm serving the kids this morning because Dwelling Dave and his wife showed up, and they got some crazy youngins. And no, I'll just play it. We're going to love on their family. Dwelling Dave's coming in here. And so in our lunch team meetings, we would talk a lot about Dwelling Dave. And, and it'd be like, that person, this is why we're doing what we're doing, because God's after him. God's after him. And what's so cool, says a lot of Daves have walked through these doors. A lot of Dwelling Daves. You're a Dwelling Dave. You are Dwelling Dave. Isn't that cool? The night before we launched the church, the Saturday night, I got on my phone and I 
posted something in our surf, I mean our launch team Facebook group. And I just want to read this to you. This is what I said. I said, remember dwelling Dave? He's coming to church tomorrow. He's the college student who was invited by a classmate. Dwelling Dave, he's that, he's that retired couple who got the mailer and thought, let's go see what that's all about. Dwelling Dave is a single mom who arrives late with her three kids. Dwelling Dave is a sharply dressed man with a perfect little family, but he's terrified of dying. Dwelling Dave just lost his job. Dwelling Dave just went through a really nasty divorce. Dwelling Dave got some really bad news at the doctor this week. He squirms in his seat trying to alleviate the pain in his body. Dwelling Dave just moves to Savannah and he doesn't know a soul. Dwelling Dave is about to go on deployment. Dwelling Dave's a little boy who's been called stupid by his father so many times he believes it. Dwelling Dave didn't eat much this weekend because he survives on free lunch at school. There's nothing in the fridge at home but beer and ketchup. What's amazing about this? We've seen it. And we've created a space for those people. And it goes on. Dwelling Dave is a lonely woman who felt drawn to the church through a video on Facebook because the doctor put her on a new antidepressant this week, but because the last one really didn't work, she thinks she'll try church. Dwelling Dave is in a same-sex relationship and is really hoping her and her wife can get through the day without it being too awkward. Dwelling Dave is on probation. Dwelling Dave was a pastor's kid who grew up in church. He knows all the answers, but he feels dead inside. Dwelling Dave is a couple of paychecks away from gender reassignment surgery. Dwelling Dave is an older white man. Dwelling Dave is a middle-aged black woman. Dwelling Dave doesn't speak English very well. Dwelling Dave hates church for some pretty good reasons. Dwelling Dave drank too much last night, drowning in shame for falling off the wagon again, and he'll, he'll wonder if, he ever, if he'll ever beat his addiction. Dwelling Dave's giving church one last shot. Dwelling Dave's giving life one last shot. Dwelling Dave is you and me. He's just like us. What Dwelling Dave needs more than anything else is a life-changing encounter with the Father's love. Tomorrow, you are creating a space for that to happen. By choosing to love and to serve, you will become a part of Dwelling Dave's story of how his life changed when he walked into an old theater on Savannah's south side. And Dwelling Dave will be the first of many who find what they were longing for at the dwelling. Guys, this is who God's after. And he's asking his people, will you make room for Dave? Will you make room for him? Will you do whatever it takes to get him in my presence? What does that look like? Looks like making room in your home this year for a community to meet in your home. Sometimes it may... Look like making room in your schedule to join a community group, to go to community, to get, get connected. Those kick off in February. 
That may look like making room in your schedule for discipleship, doing life with another person, pouring into them. And so here's the thing I want to challenge you with. Ask the Lord, who's that person that I need to be pouring into? Who's that person that you're highlighting to me? Just to take a little time. Maybe to call a little more. Invite over a little more. Go to coffee with. Just to, it with the intention of, I just want to pour into this person. Now I ask you this. Who needs to be pouring into you? Who do you see in your life that you're like, you know what? They're a really good dad. There's some men in my life in here that I'm just like, and they're in this room, and I think, I want to hang out with him more because, Mr. Pete, you're a good dad. Like sitting around that campfire last night, I was like, man, I want to be a dad like that. Who needs to be pouring into your life? Call them up. Make a, get a meeting this week. Get, get coffee this week. Share, share, some, share your story with someone this week. Invite someone to church next week. Share the gospel with someone. Go out on a limb and say, can I pray for you? And do it right then and not be like, I will be praying for you. But go on a limb and just pray for somebody. Adopt a family on your street to pray for and to serve. Join a team here at The Dwelling. First impressions, kids, worship, youth, outreach. There's always room. There's always room for you. One of the things me and my wife are doing is we're adopting college students that are in this house. How I many know we got some college kids in here today? Not kids, your students. But um, wanna, where are you at, Sydney and Jenna? Y'all stand up. Me and Bethany adopted these girls right here. And not really, not legally, okay? But, but so I want to challenge you to do that. Like, how, how can we serve our college students around here that come in? We've been praying. The Lord help us, to, help us just to be able to impact SCAD. We, we want to pour into the lives of these students while they're here. And a lot of them live, they got their parents are in Ohio and Texas and California, and they don't have a family here. I want to be family. And so uh, I've already asked some of them, like, would this be weird if I did this and told people to, like, ask for your number? Like, like just connect with them and be like, hey, call me if you have a flat tire. Let us cook dinner at our house for you. If you need anything, we're your adopted family while you're in Savannah. That's a cool idea. You should do it. All right. So uh, let's stand. There's a myriad of ways. Making room for people looks like anything God leads you to do. And just saying yes to it. So maybe we just lift our hands in this place. And our yes maybe just looks like surrender. And Jesus, whatever you want to do in and through my life, I invite you to do it right now. Lay people on our hearts right now, all over this place. Would you just, the faces that are popping in our minds about the people that we need to share our story with, the people that we should maybe just throw something on the grill and just invite them over last minute. Maybe just meet them for coffee this week. Maybe, maybe join a team this week. Connect out there at the welcome to our family thing and just, just connect with one of our team members and join a team, making room for kids, making room for people. Whatever it looks like in our lives, Lord, we say yes to it. Would you say yes to the Lord right now? Just right there where you're standing, Lord, we say yes. We're after people because you are. We love people because you love people. And we're going to make room for them no matter what.
In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Happy birthday. Man, we got some... On your way out, we got some snacks, we got some party, and we got some merch in the glass room, hoodies and t-shirts for purchase. We're not making anything off of it, just it's cool looking. Get you one, and uh, you guys have a blessed week. Invite somebody to church next week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.